Today is the first Sunday of Lent, and with this Lent series, we journey with churches across the world as we identify with the suffering of Jesus and prepare ourselves for Easter. We recognize that in this time, the biggest events of our spiritual life take place. And this year, in the shadow of Gethsemane, read with me from Luke 22. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. How would you go about achieving a challenge you set for yourself? For example, you want to be a comrades athlete, or you want to be a springbok rugby player, or you want to pursue a hobby or gain a new skill, like perhaps gourmet cooking. Now imagine simply arriving at the start of the race or inviting all your friends to serve them a five-course dinner. You wouldn't do this without putting in the necessary preparation, exercise, practice, and energy this requires. In fact, you would need to incorporate certain things in your lifestyle. You would require preparation and training. Now consider with me the challenges we face in relationships, the hardships we often have to go through in life. Perhaps even here, we know what we want to achieve or who we want to be, but we don't consider the lifestyle it requires. We think about doing what Jesus told us and saying the things he taught us, but we don't consider the lifestyle that he showed us that makes this possible. We can't just mimic the in the moment things Jesus did and said. He asks us to follow him in his lifestyle, in the way he lived. And then when we follow him in this, our default responses or automated reactions can resemble what he did in the big moments of his ministry. So today we turn to that, the phrase in our scripture, he went out as usual. What did Jesus regularly do that gives us a glimpse into his way of living? Jesus had habits that helped him build a healthy, balanced and connected life. What would it take for us to form these habits as well? It is said, habit formation is the process by which behaviors become automatic. And when I quickly Googled how long it takes to form a habit, it said that although there are many factors influencing the time span that it takes, it may be anything between 18 and 254 days, with the average being about 66 days. Some people have said that it takes 21 days. I wonder what your experience tells you. Now, how would your life be different if in, say, 66 days, you have a different rhythm slowly leading to a different way of life. Habits that resemble our friend Jesus's habits. One of the things he did was he found a place to pray. 
he often went into solitude and silence to spend time on his own with God. It was something that was important even now, especially now, in the hours before he is delivered to be crucified. It was a habit he built into his life. So today, as we seek to follow him in the way he led his life, let's explore. What is this place? How do I go to this place? And why is it important in my journeying, in my journey in following Jesus? Jesus says in Matthew 6 verse 6, Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. So first, what is a quiet, secluded place? At the foot of the Mount of Olive lies the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went here as usual. He had found a place which became sacred for him. It was a place that invited him to encountering God, a special place. Here, he sets himself apart. In setting ourselves apart regularly, we purposefully abstain from interaction with other people for a certain period of time. We are alone in silence with the purpose of just being with God. In this place, I withdraw from the busyness of everyday life and surrender myself to becoming still. I remember when I was first invited to the world of retreats, which was for me going to a secluded place, both my husband and I were given the opportunity to go on this retreat where we would be mostly alone in silence for two days. How different our experience of solitude and silent was. Let me explain. So although I love people and building relationships is one of the most meaningful things I feel I can do, I am an introvert. I recharge when I'm alone. So I'm not challenged if you send me to be by myself for a day or two. But here's the thing. I'm not naturally quiet in my inner being when I'm alone. It's chaotic and noisy as my thoughts run wild and my worries and concerns collide and stretch me inside. So I found it very difficult to find silence and stillness on my retreat. My husband, on the other hand, he was challenged by being isolated from people. He's an extrovert and he's constantly energized by people in groups. But here's the thing. Once he accepted being alone... Inner quiet wasn't so hard for him. For both of us, a similar invitation, but with different challenges. In this quiet, secluded place, the invitation to go from solitude to silence to stillness. Jesus said in Mark 6 verse 31, Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Interesting that the busier life becomes, the more important this habit of going aside becomes to Jesus. I mean, this must have been an exhilarating time in their ministry. People turning their lives around and surrendering to God. Miracles, wonders, conflict with the Pharisees, which set the stage for truth-telling and rewriting of narratives. Strike the iron while it's hot, you may say. Build on the momentum. Eat later. But Jesus says, stop, 
This is not sustainable without making time for the inner being to come to terms, to process, to reflect, to rest. So in following Jesus' example, the spiritual habit of finding a place, setting yourself apart and praying is done with God, but by yourself. So there is the space of physical, there is the element of physical space. And some people have a special chair or a corner of the house or a garden, somewhere that invites them to a specific mindset and posture, somewhere they can quietly sit. It could be very helpful to have a place like this. It's a place that's apart from noise and distraction. It may be a place that invites you to recognize something of the beauty of creation or that invites you to simplicity, stripped of visual stimulation. But it's more than just a physical place. It's being in a place where I can be available and present to God, a place where I can focus. So Jesus is as much saying, find a physical place, as he is saying, find a place in your life. Find time, find capacity, find energy. And then it's also about finding an emotional place, a place where you can offer yourself to God, where you can actually have a conversation. So find a quiet, secluded place within yourself. Consider, for example, the fact that for a couple working full-time with two kids in high school, it may not be helpful to spend an hour in the afternoon set apart in solitude while the pressure of extra murals, making dinner finalizing contracts and hearing about the children's day are pressing and important concerns. Even if they did find a place and even if they did make time, their emotional, social and intellectual capacity is taken up. They could, however, find time in the evening after dinner to sit quietly rather than just scrolling through their phones watching another series. Or they could just take 15 minutes in the morning before the school run perhaps planning to retreat for a day, one at a time, once a month. That may make, make a place for solitude. Whatever your phase of life or whatever your circumstances may be, there is a way. So, how do we go into this place? Just be there simply and honestly. When we go to this place to pray, we sit with God. It has to do more with being than with doing. It's a posture of openness, the willingness to be vulnerable and honest as we surrender to how God comes to us. It's letting go of your agenda. It's about being present to God and asking him repeatedly as necessary to help you to be present with him. Here, a prayer word or a grace can be helpful. Perhaps just bringing your attention back to where you are by saying, Jesus, Jesus. Or by praying, Jesus, I ask for the grace of being fully present to you here and now. This can be helpful in being there simply. But then also honestly, in this place, we allow God to unmask the false self. And we sit with him as we really are. Jesus wrestles with his inner turmoil honestly. He expresses his anguish and his anxiety. And he even intensifies his prayer 
His conversation and time with God here is raw and desperate. No masks, no filters. And then he surrenders to God's will and he waits on God. He just waits on God. So going into this place invites us to leave our masks and our decorations at the door, stripping off all the layers that we feel make us more presentable to God. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us come out from behind our defense mechanisms so that we can simply and honestly be with him. Now let's consider what happens in this place. Focus will shift. When we regularly go to this place, surrendering to grace, our focus begins to shift and our view of God slowly becomes unblocked of our ego, our worries, our tasks and responsibilities. When Jesus withdraws into this place with God, something happens and it seems key to him living a connected and integrated life despite a busy schedule, high demands and the pressure of criticism and persecution. Think about it. Before he starts his ministry, he goes into the desert. 40 formative days of solitude. Now he probably intended to be alone with God, but he also encounters the tempter. He grapples with issues of power, achievement and self, and he chooses his identity in God. Consider in his daily living, and especially when, he, when ministry becomes really busy, he intentionally takes time alone throughout the three years. Jesus returned again and again to this place of solitude where he could slow down, get away from the stimulation and crowds, where he could get perspective. It seems that by regularly going aside to pray and being with God, he remained in touch with his father and who he is in him. And here in our scripture, when the worst is about to happen, he doesn't jump into crisis management, but he goes to his place, as usual, into solitude to open up to the spirit of God doing deep work and giving him what he needs for the road of suffering that is the cup he is to drink. I wonder if when he found his disciples sleeping there, there wasn't a similar invitation for them. They fell asleep, perhaps being physically tired, but perhaps everything was just a lot to handle. Stressful, scary, emotionally exhausting. And sleep may have been a quick escape. And it's quite normal, I think, and not necessarily a bad defense mechanism. But there's something else they could be doing, especially in times like these. They could be going to that place within themselves where they open deeply to God's consolation and peace, to his transformational presence. And so Jesus' invitation, get up and pray. I don't know about you, but I originally had very specific expectations of what time in solitude with God would do. And they usually had something to do with a concrete outcome or maybe fixing some kind of problem. I had a bit of an agenda. My, my conversations with God sounded something like this. Okay, Lord, I'll go into solitude, but then you need to give me some answers. Or I'll give you my whole day alone, set apart from everyone else, but then you need to give me a plan. We need to fix my anxiety. We need to tell me what to do. 
And although all of this can happen, of course, and God can provide in all of that, what happens in solitude is far more encompassing. The Spirit does deep work within me and transform me to be the terrene Jesus would be if he were living my life as me now in this world. I am transformed to love more freely. I'm becoming not only free from fears and sins and temptations, but free to function and be as he longs for me to be. The sediment in the pool of my life begins to settle and I can catch a glimpse of clarity and experience something of the peace that passes all understanding. In this place, we find perspective. In this place, we find strength because we remember that we are who we are because he is who he is. Jesus' habits formed his way of life. Setting himself apart and simply going aside with God to a place he could be alone with him was an integral part of his way. We can thus say that there's a bigger invitation than only to do what he did, as this is strenuous and mostly impossible without the necessary practice, but that we need to and that we can live like he did. We need to step into his way of life. We are invited to a lifestyle. The Lent journey invites you to be intentional, regularly finding a quiet, secluded place around you and within you. So find your quiet and secluded place and then go to this place regularly. Allow God to draw you deeper in your relationship with him, knowing him more intimately, loving him more deeply and following him more closely. Form this habit in such a way that you experience greater freedom and in a way that transform you to love more like Jesus does. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we watch you living your life, even in the most difficult times, we, invite, we have, are invited to follow you. Teach us your habits, Lord. Show us how to step into these rhythms that give us life and that lead us to see you, to experience you, and to become more like you. Thank you, Lord, that we can identify with you. And we pray for the grace of being fully present to what you are doing in our lives now. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness and for your grace. Amen. Receive the blessing of the Lord. The love of our Father, the grace and the friendship of Jesus Christ, His Son, and the fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit is with each of us. Amen.